Hello everyone, and welcome to the second episode of the Crystal Clodcast. I am your host Laura, and I'm here as ever with Retta. I, hi, I'm Super Retta on Twitter, just if you want to find me anywhere. Hurrah, and Mia. Hello, I'm on Twitter at OmiaGod. I feel bad now that I've not done self-promotion at the start. I'm at Laura K. Buzz everywhere. Just Laura K. Buzz, you'll well, find me. You're, you're the most famous member, so I think you can get away with it if anyone can. <laughs> so, uh, today we are going to be talking about Steven Universe episodes 6 through 10. Now, to clarify, that is episode 6, Cat Fingers. Episode 7, Bubble Buddies. Episode 8, Serious Steven. Episode 9, Tiger Millionaire. And episode 10, Stephen's Lion. Uh, We have currently seen up to, and may spoil up to, episode 118, That Will Be All. So, first up on the list, let me scroll back. You might be able to hear the wonderful turns of paper as we do this. Uh, Episode 6, Cat Fingers. Who wants to start talking about (laughs) Cat Fingers? I was surprised how disturbing this episode is versus what I remembered. Hmm. I I think it's really interesting that it comes directly after the Frybo episode. Mm. Because the Frybo episode, episode five, is the first episode we get of this show where it's like, ooh, lighthearted, silly, fun. And by the end of it, there was a child screaming and crying because, oh my god, I don't know what to do when I've done something wrong and someone's going to die and this is terrible. Yeah, like in, in my mind, when I think of this episode, I just think of like the actual cat fingers. And kind of how funny and goofy that looked. But in actuality, I mean, I'm jumping ahead, but this episode ends with Steven kind of turning into like a cat monster and kind of like crying. Yeah, like he can't control it. He's crying. Greg's crying. It's just like... downright disturbing. Like, honestly, a a lot of Steven Universe, I think, is a lot darker than what you remember of it. I think a lot of these early episodes, just because the overall plots and the overall drama is so low stakes and the show gets so much more high stakes as it goes on, it's really easy to retroactively look back and Mm. see the show as a lot less dramatic than it was. Yeah, because obviously later on, the stakes are kind of the entire planet. Yep. <laughs> yeah, whereas now the stakes are uh, Stephen didn't notice that like when a cat got wet, it got sad, and now he's, he's at risk of becoming all cats, but it's fine, because <laughs> water, he knew that that was their weakness, he just had to fucking remember that. <laughs> yeah, kind of a lot more straightforward than where we end up. Yeah. Yeah, so I had a few things early on in the episode I wanted to talk about. Mm. Um, so first up, I believe this is our first proper introduction to Mayor Dewey. Yeah. Yes. Yes. So, does it? Do either of you want to talk about Mayor Dewey's characterization in this first one? Well, one thing that I did think was interesting, just going back to what we talked about last time, which is that it introduces the wider cast in a very kind of gradual way. Mm. Like this isn't an episode about him in any way. He's just there. It's like, hey, he's the mayor. Bye. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think all we get about him is he's bumbling mayor, and he's a bit of a cheapskate. Mm. And that's all you really need. That gives a sense of, like, he's meant to be important, but he's really not. He's just kind of a bit of a bumbling figurehead. Yeah, I definitely get that from him. Um, So the other thing we had early on, and this kind of goes on the topic of talking about, like, stuff that's darker than I remember. I don't know how much of this is intentional, but Greg panics considerably when Amethyst transforms. 
Now, I noticed that. I have a question to pose, I guess, to both of you, and I'm curious what you'll say. Mm. Do we think that he's freaking out just because it's magic, it's gem stuff, and he's not supposed to mess with magic and gem stuff? Or is this a deliberate nod to when we're going to get that episode where Amethyst turns into Rose? Is this like, oh, Greg has seen her transform before... Like, because do I remember right that Greg mentioned something when we get to that episode, something about, you know, I don't like you transforming. I don't like it when you do this, I think is what he says. So like, whatever that line is, it definitely implied that he'd Mm. had a problem with it before, which adds some darkness retroactively to this. Yeah. Yeah. It's something that watching the episode, I didn't think of. But as soon as you started thinking it, I was like, oh, yeah, I remember that. That makes sense. He does seem nervous about what she's going to turn into. Yeah. He's he's stayed away from gem stuff before, but this does feel a bit different, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah. Like he feels it feels like he's really uncomfortable with anything gem related, but I think he kind of puts on the air of ignorance is bliss like Stephen you can go and do all your gem related stuff, but don't tell me about it. I don't really want to be a part of yeah. that because it freaks me out. Yeah, which is like it's all I love how early they sow the seeds of some of this stuff because that's the whole, like, end of season one, beginning of season two, Stephen's whole arc is about, oh goodness, I'm putting such a high level of stress on the people around me, people like my dad who've deliberately not paid attention to what's going on because they know it'll stress them. Mm. Like, that doesn't come to a head for, like, 50 episodes, but it's already getting the seeds of it laid out here. Seemingly, yeah. Um... So we were talking about this episode seeming really silly and lighthearted from the beginning. All of these early episodes when Stephen does use his power, at least until they go wrong, it's in very lighthearted, silly contexts. Like, oh, my finger's a cat. Oh. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's kind of like he's having fun with them. It's not mm. really high stakes. It's an excuse kind of for jokes and... One thing that I found interesting about it is that Stephen um, seemingly can control the colour of what he morphs into. Because, mm, like, Amethyst, when she turns into anything, she stays the the purple colour yeah. that she is. Whereas when Stephen does the cat fingers, it's lots of different colours. Is that maybe because he's human, physical body, it's yeah. not tied to a yeah, colour that's of what, gem? Yeah, that's what I was thinking. It's also because he won't be... He's not a projection of the light refraction like yeah. the other ones are. Yeah, that's interesting. That makes me think because the cats seem to be more alive. Mm. Yeah, it's like he, he actually... didn't have control over them. Yeah. yeah, he was like, "Oh, they do what they want," He's because he has kind of no control. Physical things. Yeah, I was gonna I, say that. Yeah, I had written down two words on my my notes for this episode: transformation sentience. Yeah, because seemingly. none of the other gems when they transform into things do those things seem to be sentient. And my only question is, is it a difference between physical tissue and light? light? Because you can change the shape of light without having to physically make a new thing. But to make a cat out of tissue probably requires that cat to be alive. Um, What I was thinking is... I can't really remember now. Oh, um, is it like a minion? Because, you know, Stephen can, like, the watermelon people and stuff. Like, can he control it so that he has little minions? Well, 
Like, is it the same sort of thing where he, he's creating, yeah, like, allies like, for could himself? Rose create, like, soldiers <gasps> for her? And is this Stephen manifesting that power? Yeah. Is that what Lion is? I, my, my brain got to that, like, half a second before you <laughs> said it. Just that, like, Rose had an army. <gasps> yeah, like, did she create the army? And is this Stephen using is, that same Is part? this in some way similar to creating gems? But Possibly, yeah. Like, instead of tissue, like, material from the earth, it's, my body is cats. Possibly, I think so. Yeah, it, it certainly shows that Stephen could be the most powerful of all of the gems. Because mm. he's part human. Yeah, like, because he's, he's part human. But I think that's really good because in the beginning, his, the humanisation of him is seen as a weakness. And it's kind of mm. like, oh, he's useless, he's only human. But in reality, it's one of Stephen's strongest um, character traits. Mm, yeah. Like, it makes him good that's why he comes up with creative solutions like a lot of the times even when he has his powers he comes up with really creative solutions to the problems that they're having yeah like we said last time with like the fridge yeah when he throws the fridge around it a human solution but it works yeah what works it does the job um so another character we got a brief introduction to this episode i believe is ronaldo Mm. who i don't think's introed before this and very again, very quickly he gets very solid characterization, which is he is interested in cataloging weird stuff. He lives where the crystal gems live. Stuff is weird. <laughs> yeah, it's a really good example of just being like, here's a really quick snapshot of the character. Instantly you understand kind of what, yeah. what yeah. this character's kind of quirk is. And I like that it means that when we do later get to episodes about these individual characters, you don't have to waste any time in your ten minutes that you've got introducing them again mm. while telling their story. Yeah. It means that when they get their first, like, here's the Ronaldo episode, you can just go straight into the story and know that, like, oh, yeah, we peppered in the, the intro earlier. Yeah. It's fine. Because, like, very quickly we refer to him as um, being, like, one of the sons. Like, the other yeah. son. He's like, oh, my my uh, other... Oh, your brother would like that, I think he says to Pete. Yeah. So it's, it's another way of going. Yes, it's been like, he's related to us. And I, th- I think, like, the, the four words that sum him up best is when he mentions the name of his blog, Keep Beach City Weird. Yeah. yeah. And it's just like, that's all you need to know to know this character. <laughs> okay. he, he likes weird stuff, Keep Beach City mm-hmm. Weird. Um, so, yeah, that episode, it gets kind of creepy by the end of it with terrified Stephen, you know, screaming a bit and uh, crying. Yeah. I, this goes to something way, way, way further ahead to one of like the recent Stephen Bomb episodes. When Stephen is scared for his life, his gut response is to run to his dad. Yeah. It's not to run to the gems, even though they have powers. It's, I want my dad. Because mm. like he doesn't panic and go run, like try and swim out to the gems and be like, no, don't go, stay here. He runs to his dad when things go wrong. In that Stephen Bond that happened very recently, so just before 118, whatever it said of episodes that was, there is the that moment where he can't stop the ship that's going really fast, and he doesn't yeah. he doesn't call out for the gems to save him, even though they have powers and they're with him in space. There, he wants his dad. Mm-hmm. Oh, and it's he's very human, and he never yeah. loses that, which is sweet. Yeah. I really like that about him. It's it's really adorable and it would make sense like you grow attachments to them and i think one of the reasons that he will go to his dad rather than the gems is because his dad has the emotional response Mm. the gems are all logic and it's like oh there's a problem we're gonna fix it whereas steven's like this is a problem and 
I'm scared. And yeah. his dad's kind of like, that's okay to be scared. Like it's, And he reassures him a lot more. Like, I think Garnet has a bit of a grasp on it, but obviously yeah. she's not human. And I, I like the fact that he doesn't lose this when we eventually get that episode where his dad lies to him. Yeah. I'm glad that that doesn't cost him that emotional bond with his dad and he will still go, I want my yeah. dad. Mm. Which is really sweet. Like I, I also really like that even though his dad is kind of a... Not a totally absent parent, but he's not living with him. It's like he's the, the dad outside of the house that he's still the emotional touch point. And yeah, like, oh, he doesn't seem to play like such an active part as the gems do. But he's still where yeah, Stephen wants to run to. Yeah, he's still there and he still is like emotional support, which I think is really cute. Yeah. And anyone have anything else before we start wrapping up on this episode? Um, Stephen really needs, like when he goes to him and he really needs his dad, um, Greg, because he has actively turned away from anything gem related he doesn't know what to do mm. so he starts crying too kind of like i don't know how to help like yeah there is definitely like a scene of panic towards the yeah end. and they're both crying it was just like oh greg yeah. could probably help more if he paid attention to the gems mm. and like he could probably do it would probably do him some good to be around more but yeah he doesn't like to mess with magic stuff one more thing as well. Um, I think this is the beginning of a character arc for Greg in that he realises he has to let Stephen face danger in order to save him. Because mm. he says when Stephen says, I need to go in the super wash, I think it's called, Yeah. he says it's too dangerous. Mm. But he realises that he has to do it in order to save him. Well, I think it's the start of... A couple of characters have their we need to have more faith in Stephen yeah. and his judgment moments. Because we've got Greg having to have his moment of trust Stephen, he deals with this magic stuff. He knows better than I do what he should do. Mm. But we also have at the end of the episode Garnet having her moment of, well, you know, Amethyst and Pearl, maybe you should have a bit more faith in Stephen. Yeah. Yeah, I noticed that. Pearl has a very kind of almost hysterical reaction to coming yeah. back. She's like a worried mom, is Pearl. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think it's of note that Garnet probably has an easier time having faith in Stephen because she has future vision. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, she'll be like, he'll be fine. I can having, see that having, he'll be fine. Yeah, having faith in Stephen is a lot easier for her. There but... is, yeah, like in, in this set of episodes, there is a few moments where I was thinking like, does she know everything's going to be fine? Well, I the the episode when we get to it, I'm just double checking which one. I think it's Sir- Sirius Stephen, mm. where Garnet very quickly says that she'll take Stephen along, and I think it's like, yeah, that's because she can keep him out of danger most yeah, easily she because can future vision. See what's going to happen. I think, yeah, I think that's what it is. Yeah. yeah, but we'll we'll get there in a minute. So, are we ready to move on to seven? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I had a lot of notes about Greg, but you oh, covered no, all of them, so Oh, it's I'm fine. sorry, I jumped on all your Greg thoughts. <laughs> oh, no, it's fine. Um, yeah, I, I agree with everything you said. <laughs> Woo, well, we'll let you start off then this time so that no one jumps on your uh, point. So episode seven is the next one, Bubble Buddies. Where would you like us to start, Mia? Well, obviously this is the first appearance of Connie. Mm. Yay! I do like how... This is one of the first times we see Stephen very nervous. Yeah. He's now such a confident character, but the idea of having to kind of introduce himself to someone new, he's really kind of out of his depth and rehearsing what he's going to say. I had a thought about this episode, and I'm 
just for context, I'm saying this as someone diagnosed with an as- uh, autistic spectrum condition. Hmm. There's a lot of stuff in these early episodes that I don't know whether it's meant to be signalling something more akin to a lack of socialisation with children of his own age or not. But there's a lot of things in this batch of episodes that read like they could have been trying to present um, autistic spectrum traits. Mm. Like, uh, he is very, very confident on the things he knows with people he already knows. But when it comes to introducing himself to a new person who he's not previously interacted with, he is a lot more nervous, a lot more anxious. He pre-prepares his dialogue before starting the conversation. I do that. (laughs) Yeah, he he practices his conversation before going in. He has an unawareness of the risk of certain things around him. He just doesn't think about the risks and jumps in. Mm. There's things that could certainly be argued as, like, oh, there's some autistic spectrum traits, potentially. I don't in any way think that's a deliberate thing. I think it's just a weird overlap from the way that his character has a lack of socialisation with children his own age, but it was a thought I had, and I just wanted to verbalise that. Yeah, I could see that being the case, considering how kind of responsible the programme becomes in in depicting Mm. complicated and mature situations and identities in ways that children can understand. Mm. It's entirely possible it was deliberate. And there's one other thing, like, jumping way ahead in the episodes that makes me think this, that I only put it together when I saw this batch of episodes and thought to the future one. Mm. It's the episode where Stephen and Peridot are trying to catch that creature by themselves. Oh, yeah. And there is that conversation that totally reads like a conversation about... um, It could entirely be about mental health conditions that... um, cause issues with verbalisation where Stephen has that conversation with Peridot that's something along the lines of look, this creature's clearly not stupid, it's outsmarted you at every turn, maybe it just thinks a little differently and that's okay maybe we can't understand it because it's not talking to us but try and understand like why is it doing the things it's doing what's the reasoning, try and think a little more like it, it doesn't mean that you know there's anything wrong with it and that whole conversation I'm like it would make sense for Stephen to be explaining that whole autism-style metaphor if that's also yeah. a thing yeah. that Stephen's dealt with. Yeah, definitely. So, it's a really good example. Yeah, like, like, I hadn't thought of it, but it does make sense. Yeah. Like, it, it would make I, sense. I, it's a solid theory. Yeah, I did Shall really like how... I mean, we're <laughs> jumping ahead, but I did really like how the episode handled it. Yeah. And like you are saying, that it's not that it's stupid. It's It thinks differently to you and me. So maybe we just should understand from its point of view yeah. and kind of think about how it experiences the world compared to us. It's like, that's a really nice message for kids to take on board. It yeah. also shows a lot about Stephen and his uh, empathy and yeah, compassion. Empathy, yeah. It's kind of like, you need to understand the thing. Well, and that's... There's, there's also the thing with autistic spectrum conditions of empathy can either be under-empathy or complete over-empathy. And Stephen definitely mm-hmm. has over-empathy yes. as a yeah. thing. <laughs> and. I, I don't know, I'm going a bit of a tangent here, but it's a thing that just, like, I was thinking about during this batch of episodes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think it makes sense. Yeah, um, like, it would make sense if it, if it became a thing. Yeah. So pulling back to what you were saying, it's our intro to Connie. I think Connie's the first character we've had so far who gets her own episode without us getting a little tease of her in advance. Yeah, yeah I don't think she hasn't appeared even in the background no. or anything. She's so in the she? intro cutscene, mm-hmm. but that's it. Um, I think it's... 
It's interesting that initially a lot of the coding of their meeting is romantic in nature. Definitely, definitely. And that I'm really glad that that never becomes a thing. That Mm. by the end of the episode, even, it's like, okay, this is clearly a platonic friendship and that's what it's meant to be. And yeah. One thing that I do like, though, even when it is, um, like, when they do it seemingly in a romantic way, it's Stephen who is getting really flustered and he's got little bright red cheeks and he's really nervous about it. It's the coding you usually give the female character in that situation. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, Connie is the cool one, just sat hanging out. Yeah, she's just kind of like... Hi, strange person who's coming to talk to me. Mm. It is nice of them. Yeah. Like that. Connie seems almost ambivalent at first. Like, she's just not. Yeah. She doesn't get that he's trying to make friends. No, she's kind of like, what do you want? Why are you here? It is interesting <laughs> because she reveals that she obviously does want friends. Yeah. But we don't get that from her when she's no, introduced. No, I think it's like she says, um,. She's not used to sticking around a place long enough to get friends. Mm. That plot point never goes anywhere, though, does no. it? No, I thought I, that because yeah. she says, yeah. "Oh, we never stay in one place for long," and I'm like, "Well, well they're, they're, they're I don't, I don't think they ever address like." There's never a conversation of, "Oh, we're staying," like her parents saying, "Oh, we're staying yeah, here because so. this reason." They just seemingly for because maybe was she maybe meant to be a cameo? That she, would... Yeah, like if she wasn't in the intro, which it could have been a yeah. decision later on. I, just, I, w- I would have thought she was a one-off yeah, character. Yeah. Um, so, other things we have. I like that when Stephen needs relationship advice of any kind, which of the gems is, is it that gives him relationship advice? It's, it's Garnet. Garnet. Because she knows about she, it. She is a relationship. She's a conversation. <laughs> she gives conversation relationship advice. And I think that's sweet. Um, it's really cool because obviously at this point you don't know that she's a fusion. I know. But when you rewatch it back, it's like, ah, oh, that makes sense why she knows so much about relationships. And they they laid so many of the seeds for Garnet so yeah. early on. Like, Garnet's reveal seems so obvious in hindsight. <laughs> yeah. Like, I was shocked, but when you have, like rewatch it and you see all the beginning episodes, it's kind of like... Actually, yeah, I can see that. I can see that this was yeah. the, a, the idea. It didn't come out of nowhere. It's, yeah. it's a sign it's so well written. Yeah. There's so many signs, but it's still a surprise. Yeah. It's not yeah. overly obvious. So our, uh, the characterization we get for Connie in this, this first episode, at least as far as like as I saw it, and feel free to chip in if there's other stuff, uh, she has controlling parents and she has no friends. Yeah. That's about it, yeah. And she likes books. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's about what we get, but that's about all we needed, really, isn't it? Yeah. yeah, I think it, it's. Yeah, I think they did a good job of being like, here's a kid, and here are some characteristics that set them apart from Stephen mm, yeah. and make them their own character. But I also think it's like I think the idea to not have her entire character laid out is also like a reflection on Stephen. He doesn't know much about her. He saw her at a a beach um, parade the year before yeah. and knowing that tiny bit of information he's like I want to be friends with that girl well, again I'm pulling back to the whole autistic spectrum thing for a second mm. just because I think there's something interesting about that in that I think the reason why he tries to become friends with, with Connie is that he has something practical to offer her as a way as an olive branch of friendship, which is the the uh, the, the glow the, the glow glow yeah. stick bracelet that he's kept in the freezer. Mm. It's it's a conversation piece. It's something I can bring up to you. It's something of value I offer. It's so. It's cute. something that shows that I paid attention and cared. 
and it's a physical thing to try and be like, hey, I have a reason to talk to you. Yeah. Maybe we can be friends because I can do the thing. Um, on a similar note, so cute. I think it's really sweet and sad at the same time that Stephen apologizes for trying to make a sweet gesture of friendship. Yeah. Like, he's done nothing wrong by keeping a hold of that friendship bracelet, trying to bring it back to her, saving her when a rock was going to fall on her. He's not done anything wrong, but he still apologizes and says, if I hadn't tried to save that friendship bracelet for you, you wouldn't be trapped down here at the bottom of the ocean with Mm. me now. Like, he apologizes for trying to make friends because he thinks that his attempt to make friends has caused problems yeah. and that he shouldn't have done it as a response. Mm. But I think, I think it might also be because he's used to having to apologise for what he does, like with the crystal gems. Yeah. Like when something goes wrong, he's like, I'm sorry, I know that I messed up and this is my yeah. fault. He's used to being the weak link. Yeah. He's, he's used to his inability to control his powers being a detriment and holding people back rather than making him special and in a a position that can save people because in this he's blaming himself because we're at the bottom of the ocean because of my bubble yeah but from connie's perspective it's probably a lot more like i'm not dead crushed by a rock <laughs> because you have a magic bubble yeah <laughs> i do think on kind of that note of the dynamic between them i do think it's really nice getting towards the end when the creature's coming towards them and they just instinctively hold hands. Mm-hmm. And it, it's it's totally... you. I don't know what it is about the way they portray that. You can tell it's pl- a platonic. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. It's, it's almost like we're both frightened, but we both kind of have yeah. this bond and we're, this trust. We're frightened that. children and we just want to stick together. Like, yeah, oh. like we're just, it's just this little, like comforting gesture. One thing yeah. I want to mention about the bubble, the first time he makes the bubble, which is in this episode, it starts as a rose. Yeah. Like, it comes out as a rose, and then the little rose is on the top and pops. Yeah. Which is really cute, because it doesn't do that the other times it arrives. It's just kind of like, whoop, there it is. Yeah. But it, it's kind of uh, more of, look, this is rose quartz sort of thing. Yeah, they are definitely dropping rose quartz yeah. iconography. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Even if I don't know if there was any thematic importance to it. Yeah. Um, I do think, also, correct me if I'm wrong, is this the first episode in which we see Stephen by himself, without any of the other gems, take one of the corrupted gem monsters, successfully pop it. I believe yes. so, yeah. Yes, I think it's the first time that he faces a monster by himself and only using his own abilities takes it down. Mm. He even uses, um, like, it's another thing of his human side being more powerful, is that he uses a creative solution in that it ties itself around the yeah, pier. Yeah, he, out- he outsmarts it. Yeah. His, his, he... Achieves victory by running away. Yeah. But running away tactically. Mm. But also that really sweet moment where he takes the the bracelet and he's like, Connie, you run that way. I've got this. I'm like, oh. Yeah. It was going after Connie, not him. But he's like, no, no, give it to me. I'll take the danger. I'll I'll handle it. Because he's he's got powers. He knows that he can do it. Oh, on the relationship front as well, I thought it was really cute that Lars was being like a total jerk. And Stephen was like, yeah, we're kind of BFFs. It's just like, yeah, we're best I, friends. Yeah, I thought that was interesting. Like, it's almost like 
with Connie, you can see she's kind of like, he's not very nice, but Steven's like, oh, he's great. And yeah. He's been really rude to him. Yeah, like he's been horrible and he's like squishing his face up against the bubble. And Poor reading and social cues. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Possibly. Uh, I do like that he, he is very on top of the fact that he's like, okay, Lars and Sadie clearly love each other very much. Yeah. yeah. He's, they're long, wild about each yeah, other. Yeah. Long before that's actually established as a thing. Like, Steven just Steven casually Bobby. drops it. Yeah, like, he's like, yeah, they're totally, totally into each other. <laughs> um, so, yeah, do we have anything else for Seven before we move on? think... Well, the, the only other thing I was going to say is that um, I like, again, going back to the kind of relationship illusion, um, the gems at the end kind of being like the fussy parents. Kind oh, of like, yes. you know, Oh, you know, how, how did that go? And, like, what was Garnet's line about his... It's funky something. Oh, it's funky flow. Yeah. It's funky fresh flow. Yeah. Yeah, almost like he's kind of like flirting. Yeah. But I, I like that they they have a an attentive interest in his life. <laughs> it's very sweet. Um, I have a couple more things. Go ahead. Um, first is Connie's really lonely when we start. Mm. Like she's, she, later in a conversation with Stephen, is kind of like, well, it, it's awful. I never stay in one place long enough to make friends. I just sit on the beach and read books. Mm. And I think that's something they have in common with Stephen not having anyone his own age or even human to hang yeah. around with, really. I think it's um, really important and they've kind of got a kinship in that. Yeah. I, I think it's interesting there that she completely disregards the the possibility of Stephen as a friend. Yeah. Because she has her moment of, we're going to starve or suffocate down here and I'm going to die without ever making a friend. Yeah, and it's like... I'm like, you're down here with someone that clearly, like, tried to have a conversation with you. (laughs) Yeah, I think it's a sign that the idea of her making a friend is so out of possibility for her. Like, it's so impossible that that would happen. She doesn't even see that right in front of her face. Another thing, um, it... It's more proof that Stephen's powers are with love, compassion, friendship oh, sort yeah, of thing. Yeah, yeah. The bubble only pops when Connie says, like, admits that they are now friends. Like, they can be friends. Yeah, and I it pops so. and it's like, as soon as he's got the, the happiness of the confirmation of it, <laughs> yeah. it pops as, and he's got as, control As soon it. as everything's okay again, yeah. off goes the bubble. Yeah, his, his powers are triggered by emotion. Yeah, and I thought it's, that was absolutely adorable. Because it's, it's like, I'm so happy that my bubble popped. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's stress that triggers the bubble to appear. Yeah. And then it's being happy and relaxed that causes it to then fade away. Yeah. It's kind of like an instinct. Like when he needs it, the, the heightened emotion causes it to appear. And when he no longer needs it and he's relaxed, then it disappears. Yeah. yeah. It's really cute. Yeah. yeah. You got anything else on that list, Retter? Just that out of all of the gems, Garnet definitely understands. I don't know if she understands humans the best or just understands Stephen the best. Because mm. like Pearl and Amethyst are kind of like crowding him and she's just like, no, no. I- and carries them off. I feel like part of it is she better understands than the other gems the need for emotional connections with others. Yeah, and I think like... that is a very human driving instinct where Amethyst and Pearl can be very sort of pragmatic and like, no, yeah. we need to save the world and all sorts of things. Garnet's like, yeah, but you got to stop to have friendships and, you know, be with people that you like. Yeah, again, it's kind of like, I understand the need for privacy when you're getting your uh, friendship going, so I'm just going to take these guys and leave. Yeah. That's it. That is all my notes on that episode. That's good. Thank you. <laughs> all right. 
Uh, right, let's go straight into episode eight then, I suppose. Uh, serious Stephen. <laughs> um, so this is Stephen's first serious mission, is the way that it's described. Yeah. Um, we kind of have a bit of a jump to this, because we go from him having one practice mission with relatively low stakes... Yeah. To he's now kind of semi-regularly going on missions with them that do involve some danger. I feel like there's kind of a jumped... I thought... Yeah, like, it feels like there's an episode missing You you know what episode I feel like... I was trying to remember, and I was like, I'm sure this episode has to come before Serious Steven, is the one where he's given those three trials, and he has to prove himself, and there's no actual risk that he's presented with a fake version of risk for him to prove himself. Yeah. I feel like that would have been the narrative missing link to get here. Yeah. Mm, I might be remembering wrong, but I believe that's quite late on as well. Yeah. That's that's not coming in the next, like... It's not coming anytime soon. Which is unusual. Because I was thinking that myself, like... I saw... um, Yeah, (laughs) sorry, I jumped in. I saw the title, Serious Steven, and the the mention of it being his first mission. I thought that's what episode we were about to watch. Yeah. It is weird, because... He does arguably almost die multiple times on this episode. Mm. Like, he's really in peril during this episode. And they do kind of act like he has proven himself yeah. enough to go on this, when I really don't think he no, has. No, yeah. nothing about him in this episode suggests in any way that he's ready for the seriousness of what they're taking him on. Yeah. yeah. Like, yeah. there's there's one point that, like, really stood it out to me, which is um, when he stops to try and tune his ukulele while... There's spikes coming down from the ceiling. And I know that he's presented to be a bit of a silly character who doesn't really take this seriously, but that felt too stupid and silly, even for Stephen. Yeah. Yeah. That, like, surely you're not that dense, Stephen. (laughs) Yeah. Like, one thing I did think was interesting that they have put into this episode is that his hair gets singed slightly, and they keep that guy. Yeah, he has a do. gap in his head yeah. through the rest of the episode, kind of to signify, like, yeah, he's in real danger here. Yeah, like, it's not just some uh, fluff. Mm. Like, it, it really, he's really in peril. Like, when, like, for the first few minutes of the episode, I did think, like, oh, is is this a test and I'm remembering wrong? Well, is this actually all safe? His, his safe test episode is based on the stuff he faces here. It's mm. the floor full of patterned lights... It's the swinging axes room. Yeah, I thought that it was um, very similar was the third, to the trial. Yeah, what's the third trial one? Um, it's fire. Yeah, it's something the, to do with fire. fire. Yeah, yeah. And there's fire in this. Like, I feel like his trials he faces are definitely, definitely themed around this mission. Yeah, which is interesting. Like, it would make more sense if the the. Um trial episode had come before because it's like oh i trained for this i did it in the trials yeah it's like it's odd that we don't get that and it again it doesn't happen for a while and i'm not sure why um like it's not a problem i don't think i'd have ever noticed that had i not been sat here with a notebook trying to make notes Mm. i noticed it as soon as i saw the swinging axes like when i first saw the floor and then when I saw the swinging axe I was like hang on I'm pretty sure that all of these things happen in the trials that Stephen did well yeah I had no idea so okay (laughs) uh so we kind of touched on this in one of the earlier episodes but I definitely subscribed to the thought that Garnet was took Stephen because she has future vision 
if something's going to befall Stephen, she can see it coming and make sure he's safe. She is the safest person to keep an eye on Stephen. Yeah, that's the vibe I got. Yeah. Because, like, she directly picks him out of danger multiple times yes. in this. Like, he would be dead if she weren't yes. there. It definitely... It makes a lot of sense that she knew precisely what was going to happen yeah. and where to go to get him out of the way. Yeah. One thing that I wondered, it was right at the very beginning, how the hell did Garnet make the diamond for the entry? Yeah, she kind of just like, like She forms it, it like out of nowhere and then just pushes it I'm into assuming the they knew in advance they would need it and it was probably bubbled at the temple. Like the way they can send bubbles yeah. off, maybe she can summon a bubble. It yeah. was just That's really weird because yeah. it kind of like formed from nowhere and I was like... How I, did that occur? What happened? I assume it's gem magic of some kind that yeah. they knew somewhere. It was in, inside her. I don't know. <laughs> um, so we do get some bits of hinting at like really late series stuff in the murals here. Uh, was that Rose fighting Blue Diamond? I think so. Yeah, it yeah, looks that's that way. What it looks like to me. Which suggests that at some point after Rose and Blue Diamond fought, that ship ended up on Earth. Yeah, like, yeah. that's the thing I was wondering, like, what the hell is the thing that they're in? Like, yeah. the pyramid, what's... Because Pearl seems very surprised to learn how it works. Well, with it being an upside-down pyramid, all I could think was that it probably belongs to the diamond because it's the shape of a diamond. Yeah, there's lots of diamond iconography mm. in it. And at the very end, it almost looks like a diamond face. I, I had my moment at the end where there is there was something that I was like, is that a white diamond? Is this white diamonds base of some kind? There's a yeah. lot of white diamonds going on. Like, my thought is, is it some kind of, A, a ship, because most of the things we've seen come to yeah. Earth have been ships of some kind, or is it designed to be a prison? Oh, that would make sense. Because it would make sense out of the whole going around in circles, or trapping people in Or some sort of the torture tra- chamber, anyway. Yeah. It, unless but, it, was, it was to keep it safe. Mm. It was kind of a booby-trapped building. Be like, if the crystal gems come in here, these traps will presumably stop them from getting this precious thing that we're hiding here. Yeah, my my thought about it is that I thought I assume it's got to be something that the gems themselves had created, or that gem sim like the crystal gem sympathizers had, because the way that the art in there is set up, it definitely looks like it is very positive of Rose in her position of taking down Blue Diamond. It's not like the horrific, tyrannical Rose taking down Blue Diamond. It looks like someone who thought very highly of Rose painted that. That's what I thought. It's it's someone who was either neutral or pro-Rose, I guess. Yes. Like, it definitely didn't seem to be showing them as villainous. I had had a theory about it, and I don't... You know, I've I've got nothing but speculation to base this on. Hmm. I like the thought that we know at some point there were a lot more people on the Crystal Gem side on Earth um, before it ended up just like the four or five that were left. Yeah. It could be that it was some kind of Crystal Gem side of the war run prison for keeping, you know, prisoners of war or whatever trapped. But that it wasn't directly run by, like, created by Rose. It was just people in her army were dealing with it. I could see that, yeah. That it's Mm. something like that, perhaps? I don't know. The picture of Rose, like, I assume I'm remembering correctly, she is in front of, like, many, like, silhouettes of people. Oh, yeah, there's a lot. lots of people, like, as as if she's, like, leading an army. Yeah, and we definitely know she had an army at some point. Mm. So, like, this... I would assume that this was something created during the height of the rebellion. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, so just in terms of like design for this area, I love that like we, I think they've got all the swords and stuff there. We've not directly addressed the fact it is a battlefield where a big battle for Earth took place. Yeah. But I like that juxtaposition of strawberries and pink and traditionally non-violently coded things alongside. There is a lot of weaponry here. And yeah. A hell of a battle happened. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's, that's a bullet <laughs> I point I made. It's a good point. <laughs> um, right, so, either of you got a thing you'd like to move on to from here? This is, it's not an important point, but one thing I noticed when Pearl bubbled the thing they got from the temple, her bubbles are really light coloured. Like, Garnet's and Stephen's seem to be like a reddish pink. I think they're very, they're meant to be very similar to the colours of the gems, I think. That's what I figured when I saw that. Yeah, so hers is pearl, is, is, you know, she's a pearl. It's very white, dainty light. You've got pink for for Stephen, like light purple for Garnet, and then different shade of purple for mm-hmm. amethyst i guess yeah because like paradox is green when she bubbles one isn't yeah. it yeah yeah so it's, I, I assume it's to do with the color of the gems yeah that makes sense yeah i'd never realized it before until i saw pearl do that and i was like hang on a minute yeah. so i like pearl pearl takes things very literally and does not understand some of the more nuanced areas of human communication as very well pointed out by the teacups <laughs> Uh, I have woefully uh, misunderstood the, the meaning of this ride. I love that she's there with a teapot. She's just there with a teapot. Like, <laughs> no, I, I did not get this at all. Yeah, this expression that's like, yeah, okay, I shouldn't have brought this. No, <laughs> I, this, I this was my fault here. <laughs> yeah, I, I did think it was odd, like, the minute we see her on it, I was yeah. like, okay, that's odd. I didn't take Pearl to be a character to go on theme park rides. Yeah, and then when <laughs> you're kind of like, oh, okay, that's why she doesn't get it. She um, doesn't know what she's in for. So- I, I like, for Stephen in this episode, I like that, and again, this is very unusual for a hero of a, like, a magic-related fantasy show. Stephen's weakness is what helps him identify a solution and save the day. Yeah. It's the fact that he is motion sick, that he gets motion sick from movement. Yeah, and he's kind of like, it yeah. feels like the teacup, something's, it's, it's moving. Yeah, it's him being bad at handling something becomes the route to the solution. Yeah, which is nice. Because mm-hmm. Pearl takes a very Pearl approach to it, being like, okay, we came in from northeast and therefore we moved south and kind of a very kind of logical... She's trying to do the math yeah. and he's just like, yeah. I feel ill. <laughs> yeah, and that's how they figure it out. Yeah. Um, this is also very much where we get the, the beginnings of Stephen's insecurities showing. He has his, like, real moment of breakdown of, like, I can't do this and I can't work it out and I ruined the teacups and I'm ruining this and... Uh. Yeah. yeah, that's one thing that I've actually written down that I didn't read. Do it. <laughs> but, Talk um, about it. He pretends that he's okay. Like, he's sweating and it's like, are you sure you want to continue? We can take yeah. a break. He, and he's like, no, no, I'm fine, I'm fine. He doesn't want to admit weakness yeah. when admitting his weakness is ultimately what saves the day, yeah. even if Pearl tries to take credit for it. <laughs> yeah. I think he's, like, desperately trying to impress yeah. Garnet at the time, so he's kind of like, I'm fine, you're fine, so I'm fine, let's get I, going. I love that Garnet is quick to praise where he has succeeded and to make his successes noted. Yeah. Because she does her whole moment of, like, Pearl does the explanation of, oh, this and this and that and the other, and Garnet's like, Stephen already worked that out. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
Yeah, don't don't take credit, Paul. This is Stephen's moment. Mm, I did like that. That's sweet, because Stephen didn't really work it out. He realised he was motion sick, and it might be similar. He didn't work out everything, but... Yeah. Like, he just said it feels like the rooms are moving, and then they yeah. were like, oh, they probably are. <laughs> yeah. But I, I like that they they do that. Um, I did have one other thing on my list. When that that place explodes, it momentarily looks like a single beacon of light is sent up into the sky for a second. A beacon of white light is sent up. Now, I don't know if that's deliberate. There's a bit of me that's like, is this where we first get the the diamonds aware, oh, there's still people on Earth because a beacon goes up? Yeah, like something has activated. We've got a signal, possibly. Yeah, because it definitely, like, unlike other explosions, it is that single column of of light going up where it's like, that looks like a beacon for a second. Mm. Do we ever... Is it ever mentioned what brings Peridot to Earth? Is there a particular thing that triggered her coming... I I think she was just trying to like tra- like travel around to various colonies and the Earth one wasn't activating properly. Yeah, which, like they were checking the Because that's why she sent down the stuff to try and fix working. the portals. Yeah. yeah, those little things that look like toothpaste when they're smashed open. They're blue yeah. and glittery. Okay. So, it always reminds me of toothpaste I used to use. <laughs> it does look like toothpaste. It looks like weird minty toothpaste. Yeah. Um, but like I think. I'm glad I'm not the only no, one who thinks that. I, I feel like it's never explicitly said that any specific thing has brought them to Earth other than trying to keep an eye on how all the warp pads are doing. Mm. And, to, like, they have a reason to come back to Earth anyway. They want to check on the cluster. There are things on Earth. Hmm. But, yeah. Have we got anything else to say about this? I think that's everything I I think that's it for me. Yeah. Serious Stephen. Stephen was not so serious. Um, <laughs> right. Next up... Tiger Millionaire, episode Yay! nine. Who wants to start on Tiger Millionaire? I like that straight away here, it's something we talked about last time, which is Amethyst is coded as the older sibling. Yeah. And then Garnet is the kind of stern parent and Pearl is kind of hysterical, panicky parent. Because we see Pearl and Garnet kind of disciplining Amethyst. Yeah, away. they're like, you're a crystal gem, you need to act like it. Yeah, and Garnet mm. does the kind of, very kind of stoic, guilting her for screwing up. I never picked up on this before, but this is the first episode and the only one I can think of where a gem is referred to using him, he slash him pronouns. Yes. Yeah. When when portraying Tiger Millionaire, it's, um, uh, sorry, Purple Puma, it's um, so-and-so and his, his, yeah, Purple Puma and his opponent. Yeah. And it's like, oh... I I find that interesting. I don't know what to read of that. Yeah, like, I was like, why did Amethyst choose a male wrestler to, like, to wrestle That's as? Like, very it, interesting. It suggests that even though gems don't strictly have gender, that they understand the concept of, of, of human pronouns. Hmm. They understand the significance that changing pronouns can have in terms of changing how you are... Um, how people perceive you, and the fact that they all still stick with female pronouns, I think is, like, totally respect anyone's right who wants to say gems are non-binary and, you know, that is that. But they all present femininely and use female pronouns and appreciate the differences that using male pronouns were, traditionally male pronouns would have for them, and they still choose to stick to female pronouns. So I'm still going to refer to them as 
being gay as heck sometimes. <laughs> and nobody can stop me. They're all gay and or bi and or non-binary but queer. And I love them all. So there is my rant done. <laughs> no, I agree. I, in, in my opinion, the gems are deliberately presenting as female. Mm. And here, Amethyst seemingly very deliberately presents as a man. Yeah. It's not a muscly version of herself. No, it's, it's, it's a, a male character that yes. she's playing. Mm. Like this, well, the chest hair, yeah, and chest stuff hair. As well. Like yeah. it's it's we've seen her like play with she, other versions of her body and like herself. She, yeah, and she's not, Steven yeah. And yeah, she's not doing that here. She's playing her own creation. Yeah. yeah, and it's not that she's playing with male attributes, but it's still like no, I'm still me. It's like no, I am playing a character. Yeah. And, Alongside, she recognizes alongside these attributes that I'm going to use for a time, these fit better with these pronouns. I'm like, mm. oh, oh, non-binary amethyst. <laughs> yeah, it's like, is is this gender fluid amethyst? Mm. It could well be, and I'm totally on board with that. Um, so one thing I want to yeah. bring up about the the beginning bit um, with Garnet and Pearl, amethyst clearly sees Pearl as, like, the mum who's overreacting because she's just kind of like, mm. But then as soon as Garnet says something, she's like, fine then, and storms off in a mood. Yeah, you don't disobey with uh, with Garnet. Yeah. yeah, she seems to have a lot more respect for Garnet. Yeah. Like she puts more stock in what Garnet says. Like, oh, disappointed Pearl. Oh, whatever. Like, oh, disappointed Garnet. Oh, shit. Yeah, just like, like uh-oh. <laughs> but another thing, like, they are so busy telling off Amethyst that they completely neglect Stephen. Yeah. He ends up stuck inside of, like, a clay thing from the blood, whatever it was. Mm. Well, they're too busy looking after one misbehaving child yeah. to notice the, <laughs> the quietly in trouble other child. Yeah, it's like the neglected, neglected youngest child. Mm. Well, they have to spend a lot of time looking after Stephen anyway. It's like, yeah, he's fine. He's not going to die right now. Let's <laughs> deal with Amethyst. Um, I really like the fact that this this early on in the show, we get... Stephen and Amethyst bonding over their insecurities. Yes, which we get a lot of later on. And, like, it makes sense that Amethyst is the first gem that Stephen ends up fusing with, Mm. because they have a, like, right... From episode nine, they have a really big bonding position of, we both feel incredibly insecure about our own abilities. Yeah. It's also more that they are more equal. Like, with them being Mm. more like siblings, they're on a much more equal level rather than... Like, Mummy Pearl and Daddy Garnet. Yeah, the thing that kind of... The moment that Amethyst clicks and starts seeing Stephen as an equal is when she... When Stephen makes fun of Pearl and Garnet. Mm. And then yeah. Amethyst is like, oh, that's hilarious. Like, yeah, they are really annoying, aren't they? Yeah. And that's the moment they kind of click together. Yeah. Um. So, there is something I think was interesting about that. And it ties into later when we get that whole... You know, much later on, we get Amethyst having her moment of, you're meant to be the one that's not good, Stephen. You're not meant to surpass me. We see the seeds of that here because she underestimates Stephen having any value. Like, even though they're relatively on the same level, they're both... They both have the same insecurities. They should both be on the same level as each other. She's like, no, I'm going to win this. I just need you here so that I can technically enter. She yeah. completely underestimates that he might provide any value because he's just Stephen. He, he's Stephen. Yeah. He's not as good as me. Whatever. Yeah, definitely. And I think this is a really nice starting point for that arc that eventually ends with you're not meant to be better than me. Because yeah. like right from here, she already sees him as lesser. I, I think it's it's back to the sibling thing. Mm-hmm. I think it's the idea of 
Amethyst, like, I'm the older sibling. I'm the one that's better at things. You're the younger one who's kind of not as good. Yeah. And you're kind of tagging along, and I'm the cool one. Yeah, we're supposed to team up against the parents because we're both in the same boat. Yeah. But when it's me and you, I'm supposed to be better. Yeah. <laughs> Another thing that I really liked with um, Steven as Tiger Millionaire, he's still incredibly creative with his solutions. Like, he uses his suitcase to <laughs> knock a guy out. <laughs> And, like, really random stuff that he does. Like, he puts a newspaper on the floor so that guy slips on it. I'm so sad that this stuff falls away as the series goes on, that he does rely on gem solutions more often, because this is really great. Yeah, Yeah. it's, it's interesting, because thinking back to these episodes, which I haven't watched for, like, two years or so, I expected to kind of want to get through some of these episodes to get to the series, more gem stuff. I'm actually it's really fun. enjoying this. It's really fun. <laughs> it's actually really nice to see the more human stuff and like the comedy I forgot stuff. just how much I enjoyed watching just Stephen being goofy. Yeah. yeah. And that's not to say that it's bad in any way where the show goes. No, no not at all. It's, it's, it is a very, two very different places the show starts and ends and it makes, a, it, makes it seem like such a natural transition to go mm. between them. Which is nice. Yeah, um, it's not like yeah. the show got... Well, it was so gradual, we forgot that he was like this in yeah. the beginning. Yeah. Um, so, here's the thing about... I want to talk about Lars for a second. Lars and <laughs> Stephen could totally be bestest best friends, because so often when Lars doesn't realise it, he thinks that Stephen is cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And I think that I really want to see them be bestest best friends eventually. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's another instance of kind of Lars's... Laz's kind of inclination of wanting to look cool and tough is kind of shown to be kind of fake because here, mm. not knowing that this character is Steven, he's like, oh, this character's amazing. Yeah. And, and, when... and as soon as Sadie's kind of like, hey, it looks a lot like Steven from here, he's like, no way is that Steven. Yeah, like, oh, we're too cool not. to be yeah. Steven. So I want to go back to that whole uh, autistic spectrum thing again because that's, <laughs> okay. where, that's where my mind's at this particular episode mm. for whatever reason. So... Again, pulling back to, like, possible cues of that, uh, Stephen has a very simplistic view of social situations and often doesn't realise that simple things he does can have impacts on the social relationships around Mm -hmm. him. Like, not realising that he had gone too far by by knocking Lars's drink down and, like, being aggressive against the fans as opposed to the person he was fighting. He didn't see how that was a problem he then starts to worry, am I as an individual, not the character Tiger Millionaire, am I all of these things they were calling the character? Like, yeah. he has a, he has difficulty separating out what social stuff is what and where that line between him playing a character and criticisms of him as a person is. Mm. I think it's because he's not used to being the bad guy. Like, mm. he has never been that since he was born. He has been, you are one of the saviors of the universe, basically. Yeah. Like, you are needed to do all these good things. So when he's been a bad guy, like, at first when they're booing him and stuff, he yeah. looks really, like, genuinely upset that... Yeah. And he's like, oh, why, why are they being so mean? And then he puts on a character to kind of, like, defend yeah. himself to, in To a way. distance himself, yeah. I guess. Yeah, it's, it's almost like he's playing it as a game and he's like yeah. we're all in on this joke and yes. then with lies it's like oh so this isn't what mm. the rules are it's, i've misunderstood this yeah yeah it's he misunderstood the 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 situation that was going on and attempted to mimic the rules of of imaginative play Whoa. and then fails to notice where the boundary line of like oh that's yeah. the boundary of where you're supposed to stop doing this mm. yeah and then worries that 
he himself is being criticised as opposed to his actions yeah. while trying to be a character. Yeah, like he's he no. worries that he's misread the entire situation. Yeah, I don't want to hop in and hug him. I'm just like, it's okay. <laughs> I um, so I, there is a line that I absolutely love from Amethyst in this episode. Mm. You can't let anyone make you feel like garbage. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh. That says a lot about poor Amethyst. And yeah. I think it's the first like major piece of information that we actually get on Amethyst as a character because she's been really kind of superficial she's so far it's kind of like oh I'll be stupid because I want to be and I'll act out because I want to yeah whereas she's like when I get told off like I did earlier in the episode it makes me feel like garbage and you shouldn't let people let you feel like that it makes me think of something that happens right towards the end of the episode it's not even a line of dialogue but when um, Garnet kind of takes on the role of the villain wrestler mm. and then Amethyst all of a sudden is the hero and they cheer for Amethyst. Amethyst looks delighted yeah. Yeah. that all of a sudden they're cheering for her she's the hero Yes. which seems to imply like, that that's what she wants she yeah. wants to be the hero, she wants to be the main mm. character but she's uh, always the underdog and kind of the villain yeah. because that's that's easier mm. that's how she's always cast yeah. I think she's she's kind of portrayed as acting out like a an angry teenager who's mm, upset yeah. with the situation they found themselves in. And I think that pretty much sums up Amethyst, like especially in the earlier episodes of it, because she's very much just kind of like, mm. oh, everyone underestimates me. And it's like, yeah, but you are, like, she's in the same boat, Stephen, everyone underestimates yeah, him. Yeah, it's, it's something that we see a lot more li- uh, later on, but Amethyst is a character that's actually very insecure yeah. she oh. just covers it with lots of humour and kind of a really blase attitude no. she's actually yeah. a very vulnerable she, character she she is the classic class clown who doesn't want people to know that they're insecure so bigs themselves up Absolutely. and plays themselves up and I, I know that's a thing because I know I do it it's me the, too like, yeah. you get insecure <laughs> of that thing you put on a big boisterous persona because then it it seems harder for people to yeah absolutely get like i see my own teenage years in amethyst like yeah. that's how yeah. i survive i see how i survive at the moment in amethyst <laughs> um, me too i do the same thing like yeah. we're like all giant happy, mess yeah we are all giant messes like i have a happy blog and stuff and it's kind of like things are okay and then inside my head i'm just like oh no they're not this is horrible yeah. but i think it's just how you cope mm. it's just a coping mechanism to absolutely. kind of be like if I seem really happy on the outside, maybe I'll get really happy on the inside. Mm, yeah. It reminds me of, I mean, slight tangent. I remember reading an article once that was saying that the people who are the biggest kind of pranksters and like jokers mm. are generally the most depressed. Yeah. yeah. And I, I agree with that. Yeah. Like humor is a really good way to cover it's, the fact that you are depressed as yeah, well. Yeah, exactly. It's a good way to be like, don't ask me about my feelings because clearly I'm happy and don't Yeah, like, don't ask me like real and like hurtful personal questions that may reveal how I actually feel. Just look how zany and ridiculous I like me for this reason. What what I'm jumping to right now is jumping ahead. It's that moment where Amethyst, um, I think it's uh, on the run. It's, uh, I didn't, she's tears streaming down her face. I didn't ask to be made. It's like, that is the most depressed you ever see any of the gems. Absolutely. And she is the big jokester. I think it's because like, she's to the homeworld gems. She's seen as like a mistake. Yeah, yeah. It's she's, kind of like, oh well, you're a, we, a defect. We, like like that, we don't want you. There are reasons for her insecurities, totally. But 
it is interesting how they set up the insecurities here and we learn where they stem from later. Mm, yeah. They've already set up like she is a big, confident jokester because she's hiding that she's actually incredibly insecure about mm. a lot of things. Yeah. It could explain, like, with her being born in the kindergarten, mm-hmm. it could explain why she has, like, much more human reactions to things. Like her getting upset and things like that. Like, you'd never see Garnet or Pearl kind of like that. Like, I mean, you see yeah. Pearl hysterical, but... Like, upset-wise, or... Yeah. Also, I think, you know, she can empathise with things like loneliness and stuff, because uh, growing up, her best friend was a rock. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I want to go on a slight tangent. So when I... The last time I saw this episode, I was not a person who had ever watched professional wrestling. Oh, okay. And since I first watched this episode, I've now started getting into watching wrestling. So we have a mutual group friend called Alwyn who got me into watching NXT, which is the WWE, the World Wrestling Entertainment Network, whatever. It's their their wrestling group. It's the, the name they have for like the, the entry-level leagues where they try out like new silly characters and they're like ah oh, do people like this character do they not okay we'll move them up to the main show so i've started watching wrestling and it's stupid and i love it because <laughs> it's it's basically like live action anime it's very high stakes stupid over the top characters fighting over things that are pre-scripted and i love it so i kind of wanted to talk about some appreciation i have for the ways that this episode presents actual structuring of how wrestling plot lines are often structured. Yeah. yeah. So, um, you have Amethyst very much through all of this being presented as your villain. Um, she is, she is the heel. She's there to be like, I am the big imposing wall that all the heroes have to try and stop, uh, stop. And, you know, you're supposed to hate me because we need someone to root against so that the Mm. heroes seem like, Oh, maybe they'll overcome this insurmountable challenge. And the timing of when her backstory is given is when suddenly it's like, okay, we're introducing someone new who's going to be the bigger villain. We're going to give the backstory to our previous villain, justify some of their context, and have them rise up to take down this new villain to be like, no, see, they're on team good guy now. And, yeah. Um, One thing that I found really interesting about the backstory that Stephen comes up with he creates it to help Garnet and Pearl understand that is, that is in, Yeah, it's entirely what it's there for, yeah, is to be the, like, hey, this is what Amethyst is going yeah, through. Yeah, and it's so cute, because you know that Amethyst being so kind of, like, cocky and stuck in her ways would never come out and say yeah. how she is feeling, because she doesn't... I think she sees it as a weakness and she doesn't want to yeah. let anyone know. But when Stephen kind of explains it, they immediately start playing it's, along and they're like, okay. It's like Stephen, not, neither of them wants to admit their weaknesses and insecurities, even if acknowledging them would probably benefit everyone. Yeah. Um, so I love that whole thing where they start playing along. And what, what was um, Commander Square? Captain Square. Captain Square. I have it written down because I found it hilarious. It was beautiful. Captain Square and the the League of Anti-Wrestling Villains. (laughs) Um, But, like, I like the whole thing where they're introduced to be bigger villains to make the old villains appear like heroes in contrast that they have something to rise up against, which was 
nice references to the way that wrestling plot lines are actually structured so i have an appreciation for that i didn't previously have <laughs> i used to love wrestling as a kid so i already know about I, it. I was forbidden to watch wrestling as a child oh, wow. because uh it was forbidden in my household because my older brother decided to pick me up and do a backbreaker which oh, is gosh. where you put your knee out and drop someone's back on your on your yeah. leg and knee and i was in bed for a while after that and wrestling got banned in my house oh dear I, so, I never had brothers and sisters, yeah. so I so, never had that issue. Uh, jokes on you, Mum. I now watch wrestling. Oh, <laughs> oh! If, if you're listening to this, I'm sorry. <laughs> I can imagine your mum being like. My mum sometimes listens to the stuff I put out, so it's entirely possible. But I'm sorry that I went against everything you said. I got tattoos and watched wrestling. <laughs> I'm a bad child. <laughs> I had wrestling figures and everything when I was a kid. I knew about The Undertaker, because I used to go around my friend Felix's house and play the WWF, I think it was still back then, PS1 game, and I used to play as The Undertaker. Oh, I've, do you remember which one? Warzone? Uh, Warzone was the one, I, I was really it into was, Warzone. Whatever one it was, Attitude? it had, uh, it, I think it was Attitude, it had cage matches in it, I know. Yeah. Um, I remember playing that too. <laughs> yeah. That was a really I, good I think game. It was, I think it was. it was Attitude, and I used to play as The Undertaker. Who's still around, apparently. Yeah, like, yeah I'm, my, I'm kind of like, you must be ancient by now, because that was so long ago. My understanding of wrestling is kind of locked into when I watched it, which is, like, very late 90s. Yeah. I, like, so, like, The Undertaker wears a hood and robes. Oh, he still and, does. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> well, I've seen pictures of him since, like, in a tank top. and like, uh, so, okay. He occasionally does, but he usually still okay, dresses like a, like, a, like a weird goth. Yeah. Like, a grave I was surprised to learn, apparently, Goldust is still around. Oh, Goldust. Like, just come, like the guy who's just so all gold. Yeah. So at some point, I <laughs> complete side note. I need to make you two nerds watch some wrestling at some point because I legitimately <laughs> think I could get you back into wrestling. Probably. And I would love the idea of like the all female wrestling cast, <laughs> where as a side project we're just like, oh yeah, let's just talk about wrestling because yeah, <laughs> I'd I'd be up for that. But well, uh, I, I used to watch res- the daytime version of wrestling that yeah. Sky One had. Where mm-hmm. they edited out the bits that were too violent. Yeah, yeah like, so, we can't have any blood going on in this, really. So basically, it was, like, all the boring bits of wrestling. Yeah. And as, as soon as, like, anything dramatic was going to happen, they would just cut to the audience. So you would see a guy, like, they, they really cut surprised. to audience, and all you'd hear <laughs> is him going, oh! So, like, what oh we no! There's a guy on the floor, but we don't know how he, he got on the floor. He, here is the moment that I remember that got me really into re-watching wrestling now, was there was a moment where uh, there's this particular woman who... Uh, was like the big peppy happy she's meant to be the hero of the 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 wrestling league at the time and when she walks out there's big wacky inflatable (laughs) tube men with colorful arms Mm. everywhere and she has this little girl fan who was a legitimate fan that was coming to all of her matches that she would acknowledge all the time and be like hey you know you're awesome Yeah." yeah and the villainous evil female fighter that she was going up against who has like this japanese kabuki mask and stuff uh during one match, while while nice lady, lovely wrestler was was down on the ground, mm. a scary kabuki mask lady goes to the kid fan and just starts shouting at her. <gasps> oh, and, that's like, so mean! The kid is fine afterwards. It's done, but she does like this rivalry is known, and this kid is known, and she just goes and starts mocking the kid for her, for the one that she likes being down on the floor, yeah. as this moment of like 
let's turn the entire audience against Kabuki Mask villain yeah. so that the resurgence and defeat is all the sweeter. Yeah, because like, everyone wants yeah. that to happen. I love those moments of, like, we picked a person, a real-life human being to, like, create your villain <laughs> so that it would be all the sweeter when our hero wins. Like, yeah. that's a really nice moment of drama. That is nice. Yeah. So anyway, wrestling. <laughs> uh, did we have anything else on episode nine of Steven Universe? Um, no, I think that was all. Yeah, that's all I had. Okay. I think we went off on a bit of, bit of a tangent there. That's fine. We're, we're making relatively decent time this episode. So, uh, right, we've got one more episode to do. And if my notes are anything to go by, it might be our shortest one. Because I've got very few notes on this. Uh, I thought I was going to have a lot for this, but I don't have much. So this is yeah. Lion's introduction. Okay, yeah, this is episode 10, Stephen's Lion. And it's our introduction to Lion. Do you want to start, Retta? Because you apparently have a lot of notes. <laughs> oh, no. Um, it makes me laugh when he's, when it first starts because it shows um, Stephen's childlike thinking because he's acting the way that he thinks you're supposed to act in a desert by crawling <laughs> along the floor being like, I'm so thirsty. He mimics what he believes he's meant to do in that yeah. situation. Like, the yeah. introduction's kind of like, oh, they've been in this desert for a long time and they've yeah. been crawling along. It's like, oh no, Stephen's just mimicking what he sees on TV. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he's, uh, okay, so it's another example in this episode of a thing we see a bunch in this batch of five. He has no contextual fear of danger. Yeah. There's a lion in front of him. He should be terrified. And he's instead, like, he's like, can I pet yes, you? it's fine. This is my yeah. pink-friendly lion friend. When the gems catch up, they kind of materialise the weapons, and they're like, oh my god, there's a lion. Yeah. Like, again, he has far less of an awareness of danger than he should have, or a kid of his age should have. Cough, cough. Um, I just like when he climbs on um, lion, he's kind of like, oh, what are you doing here? I'm here for a job. <laughs> Yeah, and he's kind of like, and I, the thing he says about Lion's Mane is it's the cotton candy of the jungle. <laughs> it's just like, that's yeah. really cute. Yeah. I did think it was interesting that Lion kind of sees Stephen and walks straight towards Stephen. Yeah. Lion seems to recognize something in Stephen. Mm. So, like, I think it's important to, like, jump ahead to other knowledge we have of Lion. Mm. So, Lion is full of Rose's stuff. Uh, Rose had a bunch of lions. Clearly the reason that Lion comes straight to Stephen is the Rose gem. Yeah. In some context. And I think a lot of the reason we have so little to say on this episode is the deal with Lion is still one of the big lingering <laughs> mysteries that we don't fucking know anything about. Yeah, even if we pull from as far as we have seen, we still have no idea what Lion like, is. Like, what, what we know... Well, we know some stuff. We know that Lion... Uh, that uh, Rose had seven lions... They were not pink. They were natural coloured lions, but some of them very much resemble the lion we have mm. here. At some point, Rose is gone, and one of her lions is now pink, and contains a bunch of her stuff. Now, I think it's fairly safe to assume that there is some link between Rose and that lion, that there's some significance there, that that it recognises either Stephen or the Rose Quartz gem... One mm. thing that I found very interesting is that none of the gems have ever seen anything like it. Well, yeah. they're kind of like... Isn't this a plot point we have where Pearl gets really upset at like, oh, if if um, if Rose had some kind of secret place to hide stuff, wouldn't I know about yeah, it? Yeah, like I would have yeah. known. So like she knows about... like My assumption is that the gems probably know about the lions, but not about this pink lion. 
Which leads me to suspect that the pink line happened at Afterwards. some point after the war, some point later on, and maybe even as late as when Rose vanished. Well, inside line is a Mr. Universe t-shirt. Yes. Yeah. So the, the it's very hung least, up on the tree in there, isn't it's it? after she met Greg that like this line was around. Yeah. Well, bismuth is also um, bubbled inside there. Oh yeah, good point. So. We don't know much, but we know that that's presumably why the connection between Lion and um, and Stephen exists is because this is in some way Rose's Lion. Yeah. It's one of those seven lions that is now somehow special and significant from the other lions. And please show, give us some answers about Lion because I want to <laughs> know what the deal is. Mm-hmm. I like to think it's in the same way that Stephen made Catfingers. In that it's kind of like grown from a part of herself, and that's why it's pink because she was a pure gem and not half human. Yeah. So it would still maintain the color. Like I, th- I like to think that it is like a part of her. I would like to think it's something like that. Like there could be a. Re- I feel like when they eventually tackle that, if they do, it's it's going to end up being a very sweet episode that we all yeah. end up crying at probably. Um, so jumping around a little bit. Ronaldo has his blog open at some point and he has the Stephen Cat Hand picture on his blog. To me, that suggests not only, like, does he believe that that was a thing, that nothing else significant of weirdness has happened around him. And it's probably a case of his blog literally only exists because of the Crystal Gems. Yeah. It's like, I think so, if yeah. the Crystal Gem stuff isn't happening, then he's got nothing to keep an eye mm. on. One thing as well um i wondered if lion is attracted to the rose quartz gem because he finds steven even when steven has gone back home yeah well i had a different take on that oh okay did he know where to find steven because he recognized the gem and was like i know where that gem usually lives oh maybe because lion might have known where rose lived Possibly. That was my read. I didn't take it as him being able to track Stephen, but I can see where that could be the case. Following from that point, if that's the case, then does that mean that Lion knew Rose was gone and therefore did not bother to Mm. return to the house? Mm. That's my thinking, and that probably suggests that it's not a case of Rose saying, hey, I'm going to be gone soon, I'm going to make you into a special Lion, go find Stephen. Mm. That it wasn't until Lion saw the gem and was like, Oh, you're still about? I should Sure, off we yeah. go. That's it, yeah. Like, I does Lion even realise that this is not the same... The same person? Person? Yeah. Possibly? Theory time. This is a slightly <laughs> off topic, but... Um, Lion goes after the sand gem. I have quite a few theories on this, so bear with me. Go! Right. Firstly, did Rose send Lion to protect it? Since it seems to be adamant to be, like, it seems adamant to get the gem. That might make sense because the one time we do see her with the other lions, it's in the desert and with the discussions of the form, the the sand castle that forms itself, it could be that she has some past connection with that and was like, oh, we've got to make sure this doesn't get away from here. Secondly, when it starts building on the sand right outside the Crystal Gem's house, it seems like it's making a training ground. Like, it's not just building columns in the sand. And it seems like it could have been made to be a training ground. Like, that might have been Rose's training ground. 
Do you oh, think? Maybe. Do you think it maybe forms something different depending on where it is? Maybe. Unless it was the training ground for the lions. Maybe. Quite possibly. But it seems like it might have been the training ground for the gems because Lion only saves Stephen when Stephen's about to fall. Until then, Stephen is doing everything himself. Mm. Mm. So it seems like Lion's there to protect Stephen, but it also could be like a training ground. Like I said, very heavy on theories. No, I, I think be. those are interesting things to think about, definitely. Um, so there was a line I thought was interesting just from a knowledge standpoint of gem society. Uh, we know that Amethyst has really low self-esteem about her position within, within the world and her abilities. There is a joke made by Garnet... We kept Amethyst. Yeah, like she's and, a pet. Well, it's like a pet or like a slave, and we do know that this is a society where the caste system is so rigid that gems with humans, even if they speak the same language, you'll be like, oh, what's it saying? Silly thing. Yeah. Like, yeah. that there is this, like, while it's a funny joke for Garnet and Pearl because they were never that far down on the societal rung. I can see how that could really, really build up Amethyst's insecurities yeah. in that that's probably not in any way a funny joke for her because she is the bottom of that particular rung. Yeah. Like, she doesn't, she doesn't, she doesn't laugh at that joke. Mm. She doesn't seem upset, though. She just seems kind of annoyed, just kind of like, ugh. She just doesn't guys. want to acknowledge it to yeah. a degree. Yeah. She doesn't want to deal with that joke. Also, this episode is uh, very good at showing off how laid back Amethyst is. Mm. Like, I've got two things written down which made me laugh, which is, welcome to Shrug City P, when she's talking about... Mm. And um, at the end, she says, in my defence, I forgot. In in my notes, I have nothing else to say about this. Like, there's nothing else that jumped out to me. Like, I have so little to say about what feels like... It feels like a really important episode. Yeah. And yet I have nothing to say about it. Yeah. The only that's other... it for me. I've uh, spewed out my theories. <laughs> I have nothing else in terms of theories. The only yeah. other thing is I just... I like how Stephen treats Lion as the pet that Stephen wants, not the pet that Lion is. Yeah. Mm. Like, Stephen... Can't, like, at the end of the episode as well, Stephen literally gets Lion's eye and goes, wink. And yeah. <laughs> or, like, moves Lion's mouth. And it's like, oh, I don't want to go. I want to stay with you. Because Stephen wants Lion to yeah. be really loyal and to be kind of at his side. He's kind of like he wants a dog. Like, yeah, he throws a ball for Lion and he's kind of like, go get yeah, it. Yeah, Stephen wants Lion to be a dog, but Lion is a cat. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's fine though. He loves Lion anyway and yeah. it's adorable and sweet. It reminds me of me when I first moved in with Smudge. Yes. Yeah. I was like, why do you hate me? So, and Mia was like, she doesn't hate you, she's just a cat. For yeah. anyone wondering, Smudge is the cat that lives with all of us and yeah. she is lovely, but she is the epitome of cat. <laughs> in that it's like, Oh, I'm not interested now. What if I go do, do, do? Oh I'm hungry. Yeah, like if if she's just on her own. And you come over and give her some attention. She'll be like, "No, look, it, it's not attention time. Leave me alone." It's yeah. it's sleeping in the middle of the stairs time. Yeah. Oh, it's so annoying when she does that. I was like, "You will be the death of me, cat. I am going to fall over." One of us someday. one day will fall to our death, and it will be adorable because the cat caused it. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> um. So yeah, I think that's all I have to say about that that batch of episodes. I think. Yeah. Me too. The like, only thing. Sorry, I cut you off. No, go ahead. <laughs> the only thing I had to say. Um overall for the episodes is that the animation 
has definitely taken a step up in this batch mm. versus the last it, batch. It very quickly increases, definitely. Um, All of a sudden, everything's very consistent. We were talking before about how a couple of the episodes... Or like the mushed up face and stuff when it kind of like deforms the faces. Yeah, well it gives lots of like exaggeration and over the top nature. These episodes are very kind of set. Yeah. You do get a little bit of that exaggeration when he's running under the pier doing the sort of run back and forth. That's true. He gets a little bit of stretch face but it's it's played down a lot. Mm. Um, Compared to like episode like three or four-ish. I think Mm. think what's interesting about this batch of five is we get a lot of we get exposition about Amethyst we get a lot of char- new characters introduced. We get a full episode with um, with Connie. We get the introduction of Lion. It's a lot of, here is the episode where we introduce you to this character or this aspect of this character. And yeah. it does push forward a lot of aspects of, like, this is our core cast. This is the motivations of some of our bigger characters. Mm. It does progress a lot of things that are useful to know in later episodes. Well, it also um, really casually introduces... Um, oh, I can't remember the names now. The people who work at the pizza shop. Oh, yeah. Fish, fish stew. Yeah, um, yeah. Like also, that's a good point. We didn't acknowledge either. It, it, it um, introduces Onion. Yeah, it does. Yeah. Onion gets his introduction in Bubble Buddies, I think. Yeah. And he's a lot more... Ex- he's still non-verbal, but he's a lot more v- visually expressive. Mm. Yeah. Like, you see happiness. You see him doing things that are requested by Connie. You see aspects of him that are very... Pl- he's not played nearly as creepily as he is in later episodes. No, and he's not as much of a jerk. Yeah. Like, he's just a jerk in previous episodes... Previous? Future episodes, because, like, when he steals Stephen's bag of chips, and he's, yeah. it, Stephen's just kind of like, but you don't even like him, you're just I, taking him to take him. I think the only consistent trait we really get between this and his next appearance is than being non-verbal. Yeah. Which there's a lot of interesting stuff to say about non-verbal Onion when we get much later on. Mm. But I... For now, it's just... Being non-verbal is the only real trait we get for him. Basically, yeah. yeah. Or the only one that sticks. Because mm. he does seem more helpful in these episodes. Or yeah. willing to help, I suppose. Yeah. He, he seem, he's less of a... I'm going to be deliberately an asshole and creepily stare at you and be a bit scary. Mm. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I don't know. I've got nothing else to add. So with that... I'm done, yeah. Yeah, done let's, let's wrap up the second episode of the Crystal Cloudcast. So thank you very much, everyone, for listening. I hope you've enjoyed yet another episode. We'll have another one for you again soon. Uh, to do self-promotion and stuff before we wrap up, Retta, where are you on the internet? I'm at Supareta, which is S-U-P-A-R-R-A-Y-T-A-R. You really should get a easier to... I know, well, the but problem is you've commit... so fun. Well, it's fun to say and you've committed to the branding now, so just stick with it. It's fine. If like People will obviously care about you after listening to this, so go find Retta. Yay! Uh, I'm sorry, that came... I didn't mean it to come across so... So kind of no one will bother to find your social media. <laughs> I, I come across as the villain now. Yeah, it's just like no one will put in the effort to find you. Yeah, Tiger Millionaire. <laughs> um, Mia, whereabouts are you on the internet? On Twitter, I am Oh Mia God. It's like Oh my God, but Mia instead of my. I am also miaviolet.com. That's my blog where I talk about all kinds of stuff. I'm also on Patreon. At Patreon. 
dot com forward slash Mia Violet. Hooray! And you can find me everywhere at Laura K Buzz, Laura K Buzz on Twitter, Laura K Buzz on YouTube, Laura K Buzz on Patreon, that's what pays the bills, LauraKBuzz.com, Laura K Buzz everywhere. If you want to see me talk about video games, that's Let's Play Video Games. So thank you very much for listening. Bye. <laughs>